Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Greetings, Grapple fans. Uh, welcome to another instalment of the Pro Wrestling Index podcast right here on the Anfield Index podcast channel, where tonight it will be uh, a fun-filled affair as we get to discuss Battleground, and um, I get to vent my spleen a little bit on that. But we also have some positives uh, later in the night, which we will move on to being Raw and SmackDown. Um. But I will not be doing that all by myself. Oh, no, 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 no. I um, I have to bring someone else along to the party. Um, and I had to make somebody else suffer Battleground, just like me, because it wouldn't be fair if it was only me that had to sit through that. So uh, here to to pro- hopefully keep my chin up and uh, keep me keep me right the way through to the end is my audio tag team partner, Mr. Mo Chatra. Good evening, Mo. Evening, evening, goodness. Uh, you're sounding so excited about coming battleground, Andy. Well, we did look. I tried to be as positive as I possibly could last week when we previewed it. You know, I was trying to look on the, you know, the flip side of the coin and I wasn't enthralled at the prospect of it. I was saying, well, you know, expectations were low and how many times over the past year have our expectations been low for a WWE pay-per-view and they far exceeded them by actually delivering when we least expected it um i I don't think we can really say that about battleground though can we no we can't no um but uh listeners we preview the show in great detail last week and by the end of it you can't say that we didn't warn you um we told you it wouldn't be uh the greatest show of all time and that's quite the understatement but uh we'll explain why in the next uh hour or so yeah and not only was it it not good it it resulted in me ending my subscription to the wwe network and (laughs) i'm not sure some people thought that was perhaps a bit extreme (laughs) i don't know about you what do you think i slightly um overegged it well it's a bit like those football fans who get so frustrated at their team that they uh, throw their um, season ticket at the uh, sort of uh, at the feet of a manager that they really despise it's that sort of equivalent um, but no it's not something that um, you're unique um, in terms of your view of the show it was universally panned it was um, within the wrestling observer poll for the show it got less than two percent thumbs up which is almost a record low for a wwe pay-per-view um amongst wrestling observer readers and um you know given the amount of bad shows that wwe has put out over the years that's saying something it was very hard work long long three hours and ten minutes so i'll never get back but uh it wasn't it wasn't all bad let's be honest but uh you know, there, there were one or two redeeming factors and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll explain what those are. But they were certainly overwhelmed by plenty of negatives. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go so far as, to, you know, as to me 
uh, running through the curtain and you know tearing up my subscription in front of um, Vince McMahon at the gorilla position. It wasn't uh, it wasn't quite that. But what I will say is, look, battleground for me is easily the worst WWE uh, WWE pay per view of the year so far. Uh, you have to say so far. <clears throat> I was great. Uh, in fact. Well, in fact, I'll I'll say for me, it's right up there as possibly the worst pay- WWE pay per view I've ever seen, and I've seen some crap. I really have, but this was just so boring and stupid and pointless, and it just caps off a couple of terrible months for SmackDown. It really does. I think the television has been woeful. But Battleground for me, that was it. That was the final straw for me and my $9.99 a month for the WWE. Um, and now I'm sure that Vince has got a long line of sycophants already to kiss his ass and tell him that everything's great and all his decisions are correct, that repetitive television's just fine, that uh, flat, elongated pay-per-views, you know, every fortnight sending them out oh that's genius that you know a logical booking that's the future uh, making any special attractions that you may have seem like just another guy on the roster oh that's inspired that absolutely inspired and those fans in the arena that are silent half the time they must be wrong and they're wrong to boo those guys who we want them to cheer and most of all most of all all those people who no longer watch Raw and SmackDown on on a regular <clears throat> occurrence. No, you're not not watching TV anymore. They don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they're doing because they're wrong and we're right. And everything we do is right. And you'll see it in the end. Where if there's any of you left by then. But I, in all honesty, more at the end of Battleground, I ask myself, why am I paying for this? Why am I paying nine ninety nine a month to watch this? I was asking my, myself that question. After I'd sat through three hours and ten minutes of it, and I've got to say, after uh, an hour and forty minutes, I felt like I'd already been watching for three hours. That's how bad it was. But then I made the mistake of going back and watching the pre-show, which was effectively fifty minutes of promos, and then a match that even had a promo video package halfway through it. And and in that match, Ty Dillinger, who'd come up from NXT and was getting over with the fans. You know, he's quite hot with the fans, so they took him off TV. And then here, on the pre-show, they make him lose to a jobber. And I was just, I, honestly, I just thought, I, I, what the hell am I paying? I, I can't I can't justify paying $9.99 a month. I just can't justify it anymore. So that was it. It was literally at that moment, at the end of that uh, pre-show, after sitting through that, that pay-per-view, that I went onto my account and ended my subscription. Done. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand exactly where you're coming from. I mean, it's uh, a kind of frustration that I expressed last week. You know, I, I talked about um, feeling like it's a bit of a chore sitting through WWE television these days, that it's not really something that you sit there and think, right, I'm really looking forward to this and really going to enjoy it. Um, you watch it just out of habit more than anything. And, um, you know, it's um, the same sort of feeling with these pay-per-views as well. Um, but the thing is, because it's match after match, um, you know, you can't forward through most of it like you can with TV. So, you know, you have to sit there and watch it. Um, but no, I totally get your frustration. It's something I completely share as well. And, um you know, I'm, I'm just hopeful that, uh, you know, there, there's some good that can come out of what was a show that was completely panned on social media. It had such a strong negative reaction on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. Um, you know, WWE's got to really take heed of these comments. They can't just think, that, oh, well, you know, people are moaning, but why are they moaning for? They've never had it so good. Um, like, like you just said, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of arrogance is something I think can really cost them. I mean, they've got a TV deal that's um, expiring in a couple of years or less. And uh, their ratings since they last renewed it have gone down significantly. 
and there's no signs whatsoever that they'll go up. If anything, that will go down even further in the next couple of years. Their ratings for the UK, which I'll be writing about in Total Wrestling Cheap Plug, um, have plummeted in the last two or three years. Um, elsewhere in other countries, ratings have gone down massively. Um, the one thing that they've got going for them, pretty much the only thing, is the fact that their subscription numbers for the network are very good. Still nowhere near what they were expecting. They thought by this point in time, they'd have around 3 million plus subscribers. They've actually got something like 1.4 to 1.6, depending on um, whether it's a big show month or not. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of number is not great. I mean, their revenues are huge. Their revenues are over $600 million. And to put that into context, um, you know, that's more money than pretty much every single football club in the world, with the exception of Man United. So that's how much money uh, WWE is making. Um, but their profit margins are low because their network costs are so high and costs of television are so high. And uh, the thing is, there's only so much you can go um, trading on the goodwill of the fan base. And, uh, you know, then it will become a case of, you know, living off of the fumes that are there, but the substance is not there. And when that goes and he's gone for a sustained period of the time, then people walk away and not come back. And, uh, you know, the only thing that's propping him up right now is their subscription numbers. But, you know, I'm sure you're not the only one that felt, right, this is it. Why do I bother with this? That's 9.99 I can put towards something. Anything would be better than what it's currently being used for. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see if there's any difference. But... As I speculated last week, I think that things might even get worse rather than get better. Um, but um, the only thing that can turn things around is a really strong negative reaction from the fans. Um, and the and the strongest way of doing that is to uh, cancel that subscription. Yeah, I'm, I've been a loyal fan for, for a long, long time. You know, I, I got into it around 89, 90. And... I just, out of curiosity, I watched and I couldn't help but continue watching. And I watched through some ups and downs of, you know, being there through the, the best parts of the, you know, the, the records, record era of the, the business. And I've seen I've seen them in their, you know, low ebbs when they were close to going out of business. And, and I and I still enjoyed parts of it then. But what what I think the real frustration and, and look, you know, this is not me just ah, you know, just throwing it away. I've, I started subscribing a couple of years ago when it first start was uh, first available in the UK. I started subscribing and I really enjoyed it. And you know, the the network itself, it is a good thing. There's a lot of really good content on there. But I think once you've had access for a certain amount of time, you've pretty much exhausted a lot of what's there. And then you you're into you know the the ongoing content, the new stuff, and that's not too great. And my concern is as well is they'll turn to the roster and start pointing out people. It must be their fault. People are turning away because they're not interested in this guy and that guy and this guy. And that's not the case. It's not It's not the performer's fault because they've got arguably the most talented roster that in depth of talent that they've ever had. And, and I do mean that. But the storylines, the writing... The fact that we've got five hours of television to fill every week, it's just too much. It's so repetitive. The storylines are so dull and boring and unimaginative that we get in the same stuff week after week after week after week that it's saturation point. You know, something's not special. You know, steak and chips, it, it might, might be great. You might love it. But if you have steak and chips every night for tea, it starts to get a bit dull. And then when you have steak and chips for breakfast and dinner as well as your tea, you know, then you've you've really had enough of steak and chips and you don't want to look at steak and chips no more. And that's what it kind of feels like with the WWE at the, more, at the moment. It's just the same stuff re repeated week after week after week. Pay-per-views every two weeks. It's just too much. It's They've oversaturated their own product. And I think they need a real, a real, they need to sit down and have a really good think 
about what direction they're going to take this and and perhaps even look at the 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 types of writers that they bring in i mean it's you could do a whole show on 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 how they write because you know it's been discussed that they bring in tv writers rather than wrestling writers and it that product needs more wrestling minds than it does tv minds because wrestling fans like wrestling products they're not in it for really badly acted and badly scripted backstage segments that are ridiculously hokey that's not what we're in it for so i, I feel like well, I've, I've, i feel like i've had a good run anyway no no top stuff um yeah no you're right um there's plenty of things you can really criticize the wwe about but they've just got this certain mindset about how they need to produce their product and um it's not new i mean it's something they've been at for um a good six seven years now and uh you know there's no real incentive or motivation for them to mix things up um drastically because their revenues are at a record um, high um, because of the tv deals and um the uh, network subscriptions um but the thing that will really affect the way they do things is if their ratings when it comes to negotiate at the time of negotiating their next tv deal um are at the levels they're at now or even lower and um, if they are at lower levels then um you know the deals that they'll be offered will likely be less than what they're making at the moment and potentially significantly less um the tv landscape's changing significantly it'd be interesting to see sorry it'd be interesting to see when them negotiations start because like you say you know that deal comes up in a couple of years i would imagine it'll be at least a year beforehand where we start they start discussing um you know the whys and the wherefores well that's right um these things normally do start about a year or so um sometimes even further in advance than that so obviously at the point at which they need to sit down at a negotiating table whether it's with um their current provider or with um their competitors um like fox or whoever else um they need to be going into those discussions those negotiations in the strongest possible position coming to that table with a track record of declining ratings um is not good for getting the best deal so i would suspect that at the very latest um wrestlemania next year onwards they're going to be going big time um to try and pop ratings on a week-to-week basis now does that mean that the tv will necessarily be great not necessarily they might just um look to come up with ideas which you know can bring eyeballs to the tv screens um but it doesn't necessarily mean that the product will be any good they might be doing things like um celebrity matches and having um people that are non-wrestlers um working freak show matches just uh, uh, for the cure curiosity factor God um, and um you know that, that, there's all of that kind of stuff there, there will be some desperation there and yeah. you know they'll be getting some indicators they'll be sending out the feelers to say okay right our deal was doing a couple of years um where do you think we are uh, t- tv deals are their biggest source of revenue um ahead of WWE need- network money at the moment yeah they're gonna need to massively up the game I mean, let, let's start oh, yeah. b- breaking down um, battleground here. We actually have to do this. <clears throat> Quickly on that that uh, pre-show match, Aiden English defeating Ty Dillinger. I mean, one more. What the hell is Ty Dillinger doing on the pre-show and being kept off TV for so long when he was so over with the fans? I, I don't understand that one. And him losing to Aiden English, I, I, I can't get my head around that. Well, um Ty Dillinger's crime is that he got over without the WWE intending for him to get over. So, uh, you know, a case of the Daniel Bryans there, unfortunately for him. And, um, you know, they're just trying to uh, kill him dead. You know, that's uh, their kind of modus operandi. 
is that you know people that get over when they're not supposed to um they'll try and cut them off at the legs and uh try and ruin their momentum and um you know, knock them down so we can build them up yeah 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 it can be as petty as vince thinking right when the referees are counting wrestlers when they're outside the ring um I don't like this chant of 10, 10, 10, and it ruins the whole uh, drama behind referee counting. So that's all Ty Dillinger's fault, obviously. So let's bury him six feet under and um, ruin his career, and that'll kill those chants. That, that'll do it. So, and, and that you know, it sounds incredibly petty, incredibly childish, but believe it or not, that's how um, decisions are made in the WWE. And... Um, Trust me, that, that really is how it works. And it, it might just seem completely ludicrous, completely um, pathetic, but uh, until you've heard people that have worked in that environment um, explain the way in which decisions are made, only then will you be able to believe stuff like that. But literally, that that's the sort of thing that can prompt that um, kind of thought process and those types of decisions because otherwise Dillinger you know should be one of the more pushed stars on the show he's already over he's charismatic he's a good worker and cut a decent promo so why not just try and ride the crest of that wave and make the most of it and um, you know if he becomes a big big star you know he'll make money and um, isn't that what the WWE should be doing is trying yeah. to make stars and trying to cash in on them and um, have that nice churn of um, talent coming through and becoming you know players for the WWE and that's something they've really got an absence of so um, yeah again somebody who started to get over um, but they had to bury him and um, as you say losing to a glorified jobber in Aiden English who I, I, I actually do like I, don't know, like, I, I, know, do, I do too he's, guilty pleasure. yeah he's got he's got charisma it's just yeah, I don't yeah. think he's I don't think he's a necessarily a single star, but you know he he's got some charisma. Yeah, he's got something about his character and everything like that. He doesn't he doesn't particularly look the part. You know he looks like he could do with um, a trip outside once in a while. You know a bit of vitamin <laughs> K. You know he's he's got um, a role to play on that roster. Um, you know it's a comedy gimmick really, and yeah. um, with comedy gimmicks, you know there's only he's so the many. You know, it's not a headline type gimmick by by any means, but um, you know, it's there's certainly a role for that kind of a gimmick, and uh, that's all well and good. But um, you know, he's he's somebody who hasn't really been pushed in any kind of meaningful way, and um, the fact that um, Dillinger had to put him over really shows where Ty Dillinger is in the pecking order on SmackDown, and what it shows is it's not very high. Yeah. Sound booking for a sound future, and and it's not the uh, the the last time we'll talk about uh, bizarre booking on, on this show. Um, the one positive of Battleground was the first uh, match of the actual the the event, uh, the New Day and the Usos. New Day uh, win the titles, uh, as we as we suspected they probably would, as a way to kind of freshen up and keep this. Um, this feud going long enough so that it could they could stretch it out to uh, SummerSlam, perhaps even one more show after that. But this was a good match, and for me, this was the only good match on the night, really. Well, I'd actually go so far as to say it was a great match. Um, I thought it turned into a really hot match towards the end. Um, some great near falls, and um, the crowd was up on its feet. In fact. Um, that yeah. kind of closing stretch and uh you know it was it was a very well worked match and um i think i did predict perhaps you did as well andy um that the new day would win the titles and um you know so they did and it was it was a good victory i mean does it necessarily um do anything significant for the tag team division on smackdown not really there's no real depth there um other than these two teams you got um the fashion police or whatever they call this week and um 
you know, you've got a couple other teams and um, that's really about it. And yeah. um, you know, that, that kind of lack of um, numbers um, and depth is um, what makes for a very weak roster. And that's what, again, happens when um, you split the uh, tag roster in two when there's not even you know, enough sufficient depth when it was all together as one uh, before the um, roster split. Mm. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned the crowd there. Yeah, the crowd were into this. It was a good. It was a really good match. It was fun. The, the, it's a Philly crowd. You know, Philly are notorious. I mean, that was the home of ECW, so it's notorious for having a rowdy crowd. And they were into this. They were enjoying it, and they were up. Um, the next matchup, Shinsuke Nakamura against uh, Baron Corbin. They were obviously they were hugely into Nakamura, cheering him as he as he came out. But this match started to take the edge off the crowd, I felt, because this, this was not good. These two did not gel at all. And and the finish was, you know, uh, just such a schmoz. It, I, I didn't enjoy this at all. No, it was um, predictably average. And... Um, uh, that's perhaps being kind. You know, Nakamura obviously has a great entrance, super charismatic. Um, Corbin's on the up. You know, he, he's not a bad worker by any means, but um, you know, he's still learning the ropes. He's still um, green to an extent. Um, so he's far from the finished article. So you could never expect this to be a great match um, or anything close to that. But you know, at, at its best, it could have still turned out to be uh, almost a good match, and it really wasn't. Um, you know, it was. It, I, I I found it quite boring. You know, it, it heated up towards the end in the last you know, ninety seconds, couple of minutes um, before the DQ finish. But uh, no, it really didn't do much for me. And again, you know, show that they've done a terrible job of. Um, Booking Nakamura, um, when he came in, had massive momentum coming off of a great run in NXT. And um, since he's uh, debuted on SmackDown, um, he's just been another guy. Yep. To go from being a superstar to just another guy in the space of two or three months. Um, or even well, less I, time I, that. See, I wouldn't say he's, he's perceived by the crowd as just another guy as such. Because I mean, they still, you know, they sing along to his his song as he's coming out. They're massively into him. I think it's just the way that they construct the matches that the matches are also fifty fifty. That it makes him seem when he's in the ring, bell to bell, he's just another guy. And and that's that that's my concern with how they're using him really. Because NXT were a lot smarter than that. You know, the the, the way that they they constructed the matches as well as the you know, that worked around his character. It's it, it. They were just so much smarter, and they capitalised on on the you know, that that charisma and that sort of, that special something that that he has, and the crowd's involvement with him. They <laughs> that's just it boils down to that. NXT well, was so yeah. much smarter than than the main roster are with talent. I mean, uh, Nakamura's um, very gifted. Um, one of the elite workers in the business and um, his great strength by far in a way is what he can do in the ring from bell to bell and yet um, they've not really showcased him in the right way since he came into Smackdown and if you think back to his um, match last year um, at the NXT prior to Wrestlemania um, that classic match with uh, Sami Zayn it was amazing. It really was, wasn't it? And uh, the reaction to it was um, amongst the best we've ever yeah. seen on a WWE show. I think it was. I think I had that as my favourite match. Sorry, Mo. I think I had that as my favourite match of last year. I, yeah, I yeah. thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Oh, it was. And you know, that's the sort of stuff he's capable of. I, I was watching um, a match he had with AJ Styles um, for New Japan Pro Wrestling just two or three months prior to that Sami Zayn match um, from January 19, uh, 2016. And um, that was actually even better than the Sami Zayn match. And incredible, the reactions to it. And, you know, that's the sort of stuff that Nakamura can do. 
he can have um, amazing moments in in the ring. He can, you know, assemble matches the quality of which you very rarely see out of people. Um, you know, and that's his greatest strength. And the fact that they don't showcase him in that kind of way with the right kind of opponents to have these killer matches on TV and on these pay-per-views um, just makes you wonder what on earth is going on in the minds of these people. It's so easy. You don't even have to come up with fantastic storylines. You just say, okay, um, you know, there you go. There's a ring. There's your opponent. Now work your magic and um, you know, show show everyone why you are what you are. And that's one of the best in the business. And yet he's given little opportunity to do that. And when you're put in the ring with a green guy in Baron Corbin, then, you know, you're certainly not going to be allowed to uh, showcase your strengths. So yeah, again, it, strange, strange booking. Yeah. It's for me, what, what this, this whole event, a, a recurring theme of this whole event was anything that was in the ring for me, it was just kind of, it was back and forth and it was a series of moves. That's all it was. It was it was moves. It, it was kicks, punches, some wrestling holds. There was no, there wasn't any storytelling. There, there was no storyline there, and and that is something they're desperately lacking. And that's that that is a concern because you've got some great storytellers on the roster, and that, that was a bit of a recurring theme I felt for the night. Uh, and then the next one up, you know, this five this fatal five way elimination match for the in the women's. Uh, the SmackDown women's division, you know, to to become the number one contender and fight Naomi at SummerSlam. Th- this was again another one booked really oddly. I, I just surprised. I mean, there's one thing having a surprise, but Natalia to win, you know, beating Charlotte the way that she did at the end, it was. Unless this is leading to something dramatic with Charlotte and there's the indications on TV at the moment are that it's not exactly heading in that direction. It's strange the way that they've booked Charlotte and even more odd in that Natalia is put over as the winner of this match and then is going to be going on to face Naomi at SummerSlam. It's on the face of it as things stand. That, that was an odd one after it was an odd end to a very dull match. Yeah. Yeah. Again, very, very questionable booking. Um, they've completely made a hash of um, Charlotte Flair on SmackDown. Came into it as one of the biggest stars from Raw, male or female. And, um, you know, she's absolutely booked as just another body on the roster. And, um, you know, she shouldn't be that. She's the most talented female worker on the SmackDown brand, um, you know, came across as a bona fide star whilst she was on Raw. And um, I can understand that, you know, they perhaps felt that, you know, she'd been pushed so strongly and heavily for so long that they wanted to give others a chance, build others up. But they can still do that without having to bury Charlotte Flair. And I think that's what they've done. That's my view that they have buried her. Um, and I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly why. And, when I look at her and I look look into her eyes, um, I sense frustration, disappointment, um, possibly anger with the way in which she's been booked. She certainly doesn't seem to have that same glint in her eye she had when she was um, bossing things on Raw. Um, so, so that's not great. Um, as for the match itself, the first half of it was about as bad as you'll ever, ever see in a WWE ring. Lana, bless her, um, is working like somebody who's just been in wrestling school for about two weeks. You know, doesn't belong in the WWE ring on the main roster. Not even um, an NXT ring. No, no. And that's not and her fault. NXT, no, absolutely. I mean, she's a rookie. Um, and it, even on NXT, it should just be house shows only, not even NXT TV. Um, you know, Tamina's not much better. She, uh, well, I, I cannot explain why she's on TV. She's not over. She's not a good worker. She's got no personality, no charisma, no interview skills, absolutely nothing. Nobody gives two shits about Tamina. 
So that's a completely bizarre one. It's just a, a waste of a roster spot um, is Tamina. So that first half of the match where those two were the focal point, um, that was abysmal to the extreme. Um, I thought the latter half of the match certainly picked up. And um, I thought the last couple of minutes actually were pretty decent, almost pretty good. Um, but that didn't make up for what was a really, really poor first half of the contest. So overall, um, average at best. Um, but again, disappointing. And once again, highlighted the fact that the women's roster shouldn't be split across Raw and SmackDown. It should be as one on one of the two shows. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I've long, <clears throat> long stated that case as well. Um, I, I think it would be better for the women's division overall. But uh, that's for another day. Uh, next up was arguably my biggest disappointment of the night, given the two guys involved. I was looking forward to seeing Kevin Owens and AJ Styles fight. Um, it, this just didn't get going. It didn't seem to gel properly. I, I don't know. It. it I, I don't know whether it's what they're being told out, you know, what they're being sent out with instruction wise, but this just didn't seem to work at all. It was, it was, it was a very disappointing match and it ended bizarrely. I mean, what the hell was the ref bump for? Because it, it, it was inconsequential. It was absolutely inconsequential to the finish of the match and went against the psychology of the way that the heel won. It's just utterly, Bizarre is is what I would label that finish as bizarre. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, that's the one match I thought and I speculated last week um, could easily be match of the night, and it wasn't even the match of the night. And um, you know, in the end, I thought it was an okay match. I wouldn't call it a bad match, um, but. Given the two people that were involved, I mean, this should have been a WWE match of the year contender by the time it was all said and done. And it's not as if they were sent out and were made to rush through a match. They were given 18 minutes, which is plenty of time to have a phenomenal match. And these two can have a phenomenal match. But um, I think possibly the reason why is um, Owens might well have been injured. I I did um, suggest last week that um, that's a reason for that surprise title change at MSG the other week um, might have been that Kevin Owens um, has an injury and that um, apparently after the MSG show was then um, rubbished as, uh, as speculation but that's the only explanation I can come up with because I just don't I just don't see how these two can have such a mediocre match um, it, it'd be harder for them to have a mediocre match than it would be for them to have a, a great match because they're so good and yet um, there was something badly missing from this what about and, the ref uh, bump uh, what the hell was the point of the ref bump yeah for, no, for the heel to to act, you know just free himself from a submission move yet not submit when the ref is knocked out it just uh, yeah. <laughs> it might be the old school in me but that's it. I, I just I can't get my head around that. You know, it, it's it, the psychology of it. It just it, it defies all logic in it, for what you do with pro wrestling and working a crowd. Yeah. So what that was to me was um, a case of the two guys with their agent or producer. So for those that don't know, each of these matches has um, somebody like an Arn Anderson or a Fit Finley or Dean Malenko, um, working with um, individuals um, or teams in, in matches to help them lay out a match. And what I kind of got from that is that they perhaps sat there with their agent and ran through a bunch of different scenarios for their match, um, either didn't agree or got confused, um, in the end <laughs> went out there, um, with um, a rushed kind of um, plan for what the match would be. And then, obviously, as it, as it played out, you know, it, it didn't make sense. 
because you're quite right. The uh, ref bump, ref bump, just didn't play into the finish really, and uh, you know it always should. You know, otherwise, don't do a ref bump. So um, that suggested to me there was um, a, dis- a disjointed approach to laying the match out backstage for whatever reason. Who who knows what it, the reasons or reason might have been, but uh, you know that that was just um, a mess all round in that respect, and very very disappointing given who was involved. You know, it should have been one of the more memorable WWE matches of the year, and it simply wasn't. Yeah, it, it it definitely, definitely wasn't. And like you said, to my mind, AJ Styles is is the best in the business right now. You know, the crowds, you know, chanted him in. That they were up for him. That they were pretty flat before the match, but they were up for him. But I think this crowd, you know, this match really flattened that crowd back down. And if and if it didn't kill them off, then the next match absolutely did. Because John Cena beating Rusev in an absolutely pointless flag match that that has got no real significance in this day and age. But this was 20 minutes of the most boring, pointless, (laughs) dull wrestling I've ever seen. It was was just mind-numbing. It was awful. Yeah. John John Cena is somebody who... You know, can certainly go out there and have a, a really, really good match. I mean, his track record over the last several years on WWE pay-per-views has been very, very good. Has had so many great matches, and one of his better opponents in recent times has been Rusev. Uh, but you know, again, absolutely mind-boggling booking. You know, John Cena is a part-timer. In fact, just last week he was talking about um, you know, how his you know, looking to wind down his career, in fact. Um, so given that, um, wouldn't it make sense to put over the guy that is there on TV week in, week out, that will be around for more than a couple of years, that isn't looking to retire in Rusev? Um, and, you know, it would have been a, a great way, especially with the flags, to get some head of steam back behind Rusev, because obviously with injuries and other things, um, he's lost a bit of what he had a couple of years ago. Um, so he's in desperate need of a spark, and this match could have provided that. Um, but yet again, you know, arse backward booking results in John Cena getting a win that he absolutely didn't need. It does nothing for him. It doesn't make him any more over. Um, it, it just um, was a pointless exercise. And granted, um, you know, there is a possibility that Cena might... Um, be facing Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam, uh, which will explain in the flag a little match. bit about in a moment, <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, but um, you know, he could still have gone into that match even with defeat to Rusev. Um, so it's it's just one of these silly, silly decisions again, uh, which holds back yet another promising talent on the roster. Yeah, maybe we could have a Punjabi prison flag match, you know, just to just to round really round up all oh. the crap gimmicks that we can put together. But um, it took me we'll, ten we'll get... years to forget the previous couple, and then uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, take, I, 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 <laughs> I sincerely hope we never see it again. But there you go, we'll get to that. Um, before we do, you know, just in just in case the crowd wasn't, you know, felt it wasn't uh, on the floor feeling like going home. Uh, we had Sami Zayn against Mike Kanellis. Um, obviously, I like Sami Zayn. The crowd likes Sami Zayn, but no one really cared because this match doesn't mean anything. And Sami Zayn's being booked like a complete goof. And Mike Kanellis has come in with this um, questionable at best gimmick. Him and Maria together. It's yeah. I think the less said about this match, the better. It it was okay, but it was just I just didn't care. Yeah, me neither. So let's move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Sammy, you're really good. But yeah, it's just the way you've been booked at the moment. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to um, to really cap the night off, you know, the most interesting thing you can say happened all night long was we saw the Great Cali. And that, in three hours and ten minutes of pay-per-view, is, is not a good sign. And it certainly wasn't in this. I mean, this 
This was nearly half an hour. It was awful. It really was awful. It was stupid. This whole Punjabi prison thing is stupid. It's so massive. You know, people can't see. And most, God knows what it was like for the crowd. I mean, it was hard enough to see with the cameras, you know, where they were pointing through the gaps. But for a crowd to look through two layers of that and it's so high up, it just aesthetically must be difficult. And it was made completely pointless and, and immediately it was just like, what the hell is the point of that of, of that structure when the Singh brothers come out and immediately climb right through it? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It's just um, right up there with the um, Tower of Doom or where it was called that WCW once had um, 20 plus years ago, um, which was uh, three cages stacked on top of each other. Um, just an awful idea, which was uh, resulted in one of the worst matches in WCW history. Um, and this wasn't really much better. It was uh, a poor match. Jinder Mahal shouldn't be world champion. You know, we talked about that last week. Um, you know, he's only in that spot because um, WWE thinks that um, getting an Indian over will um, be great for TV ratings in India. Um, we'll see if there's any evidence of that. Don't think there is. Um, but anyway, it's an experiment, so we've got to live through it. Um, and Randy Orton at this stage is only in it for the money, as far as I'm concerned. He just clearly can't be asked he's just there going through the motions and um just doing whatever they tell him to do and then uh goes home to st louis and um enjoys his money yeah. um but th- th- this this was just a complete waste of time you know and this was don't forget a match for the wwe championship the title that has been in this company is an ever-present title um since its formation 54 years ago and in its entire history, I don't think the title has ever had less prestige or felt less prestigious than it is right now, um, because it's around the waste of a champion that is completely undeserving of the belt, who's feuding with somebody who clearly can't be bothered. So it just makes for a few that nobody cares about, nobody wants to see, nobody Want to see it continue, um, but uh, you know, thank and at least thankfully, it looks like um, that 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 might be the case that we are now um, finally be able to put to bed Mahal and Orton as a feud. Um, but God, so. it was a terrible feud, terrible match. Yep. Um, and as you say, the only single highlight was Carly. Um, I really feared for him trying to climb the cage with his um, legs um, being in the condition they are, um, but he managed to get halfway up and um, did what he had to do uh, to allow Jinder Mahal to uh, climb over the second cage and retain the belt and massively put an end to the match. Um, and it therefore like, the show as well. It actually looked like Kelly was a champion at one point because he kept lifting the belt. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was enjoying that little uh, 10 minutes in the sunshine. That's right, yeah. yeah. Kind of had flashbacks to when he did hold, hold the belt um, a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I don't think he was on SmackDown as well, was he? No, he, he wasn't. I think that was just a one-off appearance. It was one of them yeah. where, obviously, yeah. it caught the crowd and everything. But hopefully that is it. That is the last time we'll ever see a Punjabi prison match, or at the very least, at least another decade before we can uh, stomach one again because it, it was absolutely woeful. And look, Jinder's oh, yeah. given, he's put everything into this and a fair play to him for the way that he's approaching it. He's trying his hardest, you know, he's trying his heart out. Um, but the way he's been booked is, is in the eyes of everyone, he's been perceived as a, as a complete jobber and he's he's come from nowhere. And he is limited in the ring. He is absolutely limited. And that is that is why that right now he is a is not a deserving champion, and that's it's not a slight on him, his abilities or his career or anything. It's just he's come from a position of nowhere. It's been stuck on him, um, like you said, you know, in an attempt, in a commercial attempt to try and uh, hit an audience. And 
it's it's a crude it's a crude move really i think for me you want to you want to engage a massive audience give them exciting television give them exciting shows and you'll engage them regardless of you know what color creed or nationality your champion may be if your television's exciting and it's engaging it'll bring fans in well yeah the beauty of wrestling is it's a universal language and you know you can watch a wrestling match um from wherever you are in the world and you can still get into it still understand it still relate to it and still enjoy it um you know that's what makes it that's part of the reason why wrestling is so unique and it's um got this crossover appeal um around the world yeah every corner of the globe oh yeah And, and there's not many sports that can genuinely say that there's very few sport i mean yes i mean wrestling isn't sport but it's it's certainly um presented like a sport and yeah. uh and there's there's not many genuine sports that have true global appeal um you know, football is one of the very very few um and you've got other one or two other sports like tennis that um are popular globally yet um are the preserve of the middle classes predominantly whereas you know pro wrestling has got appeal across classes across races and um nationalities as you say um and that's why you know it's an experiment that they've tried i i feel it's been a failure i suppose they'll see the ratings as the true litmus litmus test in terms of whether the decision to go with Mahal as a world champion was the right thing to do. But as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, the need to get the title off him onto somebody more deserving. And then finally turn SmackDown into the work rate show it needs to be. And it should be because that's what the strength is of a number of the top people on that roster. Um, yeah. You know, it, it should be about having, you know, the best wrestling product um, the WWE's got to offer. And there's certainly the talent there to, to be able to do that regularly, week to week, like it used to be um, when Paul Heyman booked the show some 14, 15 years ago, when uh, pretty much every week on SmackDown, you'd have a kick-ass match. And yeah. um, there's no reason why they can't get back to that. Absolutely. And you mentioned that they've certainly got the, the talent, they've certainly got the the roster capable of, of delivering if they could just uh, get the other ingredients right. I mean, so that that was battleground. It was woeful. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. It was a terrible, terrible show. It was, it, it, like I said, look, well, that was it. I'm, I cancel my subscription. I may well, you know, take it back out again. I may well resubscribe um, for SummerSlam, but I, I just felt like that's it. I've got to make a stand. I can't justify spending ten pounds a month right now after watching that. So let, let's see what um, SummerSlam brings. I mean, from a negative, you know, such a negative that was Battleground, positives this week more, without a shadow of doubt, is Raw and SmackDown. The TV's been better this week. And, I mean, it's like night and day in terms of, of SmackDown from what it's been the past couple of months to what it was this week, especially following such a terrible show. I felt it really, really had to deliver something and and in fairness, it it absolutely did. This this was this was more like a SmackDown show from from a few months ago. Yeah, no, it was. Um, you know, some of the uh, storylines um, uh, had more purpose, had more direction. Um, obviously, the return of Chris Jericho was a big boost. Um, opened up the show with a surprise return. And um, that was good to see. And obviously, uh, he plays no small part in the, the main event as well, which was uh, one of the best matches we've seen on SmackDown all year. Um, so the start and finish to the show, with some good stuff in between, made it um, certainly one of the best SmackDowns we've seen in recent times. So, you know, that, that's the sort of trajectory that they need to be on. Um, and, uh, and the US title back on AJ Styles as well. Absolutely, yeah, and, th- and that was another um, slight minor surprise uh, that uh, you know he uh, got the title back so quickly. But um, 
that that was um, that was good to see, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who ends up defending that title against. It might be um, Kevin Owens again at SummerSlam, and if it is, I'm hoping that um, you know if Owens isn't injured and if he is fit, um, that they can certainly do themselves justice second time round to make up for the disappointment that was their match at the Battleground show. So uh, you know that that was um, also interesting to see as well. Yeah, and and. I do like it when they start to, where, you know, during the show, they'll book matches for the following week. I, you know, I think you, the WWE has long been in this habit of going into a, a show with nothing announced, you know, nothing ahead of time. There's nothing there to hook you in. And it's all about, we'll hook you in from the start of the show onwards. And it's, I, I like that, you know, that, that whole thing is, I suppose it's a traditional thing that you'll, you'll always set, a big match up for the next week. There's a reason why you'd want to come back and watch next week. So, you know, they're already booked right next week. You know, we've got, we know we're going to have AJ Styles and, um, and Kevin Owens in a, in a US title match. And we know that we're going to have Nakamura and, and uh, John Cena in a number one contenders match. So they're, they're already, there's the hook. I like, I like the idea of doing that and then you can add more when you get to the show, but always setting something up for the next week. I, I just, I think that's, it's one of the fundamentals. Oh yeah, no, it totally is. And, um, you know, it goes back to one of the things we were discussing on last week's show, which was that, um, you know, I feel that there needs to be this focus on episodic TV. And, um, one of the things I discussed was about whether, Vince wants to make um, TV a bit more um, soap opera-like um, with greater emphasis on storylines. And um, certainly we, we do see increasing amount of that on Raw. And, you know, in fairness to them, that, that has actually been working pretty well. Um, you know, it's not as if the Raw in-ring product and, you know, match quality has seen a drastic increase and in improvement um, but what we have seen is the storyline certainly uh, tighten up, and um, you know some of them are pretty good. And uh, you know the stuff at the top of the roster on Raw, um, especially, has been um, very good, which obviously resulted in one of the best opening segments to Raw that we've seen in 2017, which was a great way to set up what will be the main event of SummerSlam. Yeah, I was going to actually ask for your comments on that because I, I I have to agree. I, I thought it was a really good opener to the show, getting them out there, building it up. Again, put I mean, it was something we you know was was discussed on the show a couple of weeks back. We speculated, look, what they what they should do here, go for a fatal four way at SummerSlam. You know, it keeps everyone involved. You, you've got enough there between the three of them to keep things interesting on TV with having, without having to bring Brock Lesnar onto your screen every week. And it's a way of potentially moving the championship over to someone else without, um, in the eyes of some, harming either Braun Strowman or Brock Lesnar if, if it's Joe or Reigns that walk away with the title because you can, you can, you can still protect people yet work it well in, in a fatal four-way and, and given the uh, the rumours uh, beginning to circulate in the, in the the past few days about um, about Lesnar potentially having a match with John Jones in the UFC, um, you know who knows? Maybe we we will be seeing the title change at SummerSlam. Well, absolutely, yeah, that's right. And uh, the fact that it's uh, a four way now certainly creates plenty of intrigue. Um, and he genuinely, if it will be a title switch, can go any of three different directions. And each of those directions will um, be, be an interesting one and also potentially quite an exciting one as well. I mean, imagine seeing the belt around Strowman's waist. And, uh, you know, he, he's somebody who's getting over more and more week by week. And, uh, you know, he's certainly... Um, Right, Vince's Street. There's no question about that. And uh, if if that's the case, then it will certainly open up the door for more large-in-life characters like Strowman, um, uh, possibly at the expense though of uh, smaller guys like Finn Balor, who uh, 
unfortunately on on Raw, um, you know, didn't come out of it looking any any greater really. Um, in fact, lost by uh, um, lost in his contest against Elias Samson, and uh, you know that that is a few that just does him no favours, especially given um, how high he was riding only a year ago. Um, or just just uh, under a year ago um, at SummerSlam. Yeah, it is very very curious. I think I'll say is that is the booking of um, of Finn Balor. So uh, maybe hopefully they've got something in mind, and this is where they're going to move past it, and they're going to move him onto something bigger, or maybe they've they've got ideas of they want to move his character along somehow. I don't know, but. Um, Certainly, you know, for all the negatives, at least we uh, at least we have a positive to end the show with, and and you know, I, I, and I'm not just a, one of those you know wrestling fans who bitches and whines and moans about everything because, like you say, you know, there's so much talent there and it should be good. It's it is frustration at the end of the day. It's frustration because we know there's. The, there's so much potential on the roster, and it's just not being utilised at the moment. Mm. But um, oh yeah, I've got to say more. Based on this week's television, um, I, th- I think the build to SummerSlam initially looks promising, though. Oh, I agree. Um, SummerSlam is their second biggest show of the year, and um, you know it'll be an important one for them to move the needle where network subscriptions are concerned. Um, even though likely it is, <laughs> I'm sure as you'll you'll find out, I'm sure soon enough, um, there will be um, offers for uh, people to trial the WWE Network for a month for free, um, or people that have unsubscribed to try and entice them back to have 30 days on the house. But um, you know, for, for, from that perspective, WWE will certainly uh, make more of an effort in the next uh, three and a bit weeks um, to build up SummerSlam into being a, a special show. It will certainly go four hours in terms of the main card and um, at least an hour, possibly even two hours for the uh, pre-show. So, uh, you know, we can look forward to uh, another mammoth event um, in just over three weeks. And obviously um, they will tie up uh, that weekend with, um, an NXT um, takeover event as well. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly think that um, if nothing else, TV should see a slight um, improvement, if not a drastic one, because um, SummerSlam is an important show and um, they can't afford for um, that to be um, panned in the same way that Battleground was. So, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly confident think- that TV will be pretty decent. Yeah, it certainly can't be as bad as Battleground. <laughs> I, should, I certainly hope not. Anyway, um, that, that's that's us for tonight, though. But uh, before we we head off, more is there anything you want to get across to the audience? Anything you want them to to look out for? Are you scribing at the moment? Um, so we talked about ratings. So um, I've got an article which I'm finalising the next uh, couple of days or. To be more honest, I haven't actually started, but I'll be uh, leaving it last minute and getting it done for uh, Total Wrestling um, in the, the next week or so. And I'll um, be talking about the WWE's um, future with Sky. They've had, a, as, you, as, as you pointed out earlier, an extremely long relationship with Sky going back to um, around 1989. And um, I'll be looking at whether um, that will have a a longer future beyond the end of that deal in about two years time. So uh, that, that's another interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, and on top of that, the other plug I just want to quickly squeeze in, um, as listeners will be aware, I um, started a second podcast with um, one of um, the more prominent members of the uh, Anfield Index Empire, one Dave Hendrick. Um, well, that podcast MMA monthly is making its uh, Longer way to return in the coming weeks with um, Mr. H himself. And um, that will be just in time to talk about what will be the biggest um, event of the year in 
Mayweather versus McGregor. So um been looking forward to resurrecting that with Dave Henrik. Yeah, I look forward to listening to that. And we will, of course, uh, retweet your article via the, the Pro Wrestling Index uh, Twitter account, account uh, which is at PW underscore index. Um, but that wraps things up for uh, for this edition of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the AI podcast channel. Um, thanks, as always, to yourself, more for uh, for joining me and uh, helping me helping me through <laughs> going over what was a dreadful pay per view. I know it was but, painful but having to relieve all of that, but <laughs> it had to be done. It was painful, but at least we've got some positives to look forward to. Where, so yeah, my, my thanks to more for joining me. And uh, our thanks to all of you, the the lovely listeners, for hitting that down blo- uh, the download button and listening to us uh, every week because we appreciate each and every one of you. And please don't be afraid to to get in touch with us via the um, the at pw underscore index on uh, Twitter. So uh, until next week, from me, Andy Wales, though it's bye bye now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.